It's The Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Marie Osborne and Dr. Jonathan Zaden. Presented by Women's Excellence. Now here's your host, Marie Osborne. Welcome to another edition of The Healthy Woman Show with my co-host, Dr. Jonathan Zaden of Women's Excellence. Can you believe this? We're halfway through the year. It's June. And it just doesn't seem possible, especially after this last year of the pandemic. But we are now, what, 14 months and counting uh, into this? And uh, I think we're, uh, we've made it through pretty well. Now, even though we're not technically in summer yet, it sure feels like it with all of the heat and the sun that we've had the last few weeks. And today we're going to be talking about health tips for women and what you should be doing to stay healthy this summer inside and out. We also have, uh, you know, something we're going to talk about uh, for pelvic floor exercises for urinary incontinence uh, that's very effective and allows you to kind of do it with uh, complete convenience and discretion since you can stay clothed the whole time and still treat your urinary incontinence. And as always, we're going to be putting Dr. Zayden on the hot seat to answer some of your health questions, getting real answers from an expert. You love that. I know that. And it's going to be a great show. So stay with us as we continue here on WJR. Welcome back to another edition of the Healthy Woman Show with our co-host, Dr. Jonathan Zayden. So Dr. Zayden, let's talk a little bit about skin protection. If we're talking about summer health tips for women, the first thing I think of is protecting my skin. You know, I'm shocked. We all know that we need to wear sunscreen, but I'm shocked how many people I see every year with severe burns. And, you know, obviously the long-term ramifications of that with, you know, getting a skin cancer and so on and so forth, not to mention the cosmetic, uh, you know, outcomes of, of having too much uh, sun exposure, um, I would think would limit people from doing that, but they do it every year. So I think it's always good to talk about it, especially here in June, because we've got the hottest months of the summer coming up, July, August, and then early September. So, you know, I think that the most important thing when it comes to, you know, sun protection is probably, you know, avoiding the peak times, right? From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. are probably the worst times for sun. And, you know, just, uh, you know, lose a little vanity, use a hat, visor, some sunglasses. Fortunately, sunglasses are very uh, in vogue. So uh, you could you could wear those, but that also does some, you know, eye protection as well as, uh, you know, the, the toughest spots on your face, which is, you know, your forehead and the back, back of the head, especially if you're uh, someone like me, where you might be losing some hair. Mm-hmm. And also remember the sunscreen, right? Absolutely. Sunscreen's obviously the you know, a super important thing because, you know, obviously a hat, you know, depending on the size of the hat can't completely protect your ears and can't protect your nose and certainly the back of your neck. So um, not to mention your arms and so forth. So, you know, wearing these, um, you know, sunscreens, they're all somewhere around 15 to 20 uh, SPF. Um, So it's important that you're wearing one. We recommend that, uh, you know, you use something somewhere around the 30 uh, SPF range. That seems to work the best. Um, some of these SPF that are much higher than that are, are not even recommended by the uh, Academy of Dermatology. So they're not stuff that you have to do. So if you just use use it liberally, apply it over and over again. A while back, we had Wendy McFalda on the show who talked a little bit about reapplication of sunscreen. 
And I think so many people don't do that, right? So those are most important aspects, that you cover the areas that are going to be most sun exposed, obviously some common sense, and then you reapply. I mean, if, you know, if the sun's hot, you're out in the water, you're sweating a lot, you know, there's nothing wrong with reapplying. And that's where I believe that she told us and taught us to use those spray on. So you might use the lotion first to cover all the areas and then just use the spray on tan for reapplication. Right. And to put enough of it on, I'll never forget her telling us to use the shot glass. And I was just shocked that you had to right. put that much on, right? Well, but- you know, I, I think those are things. And I think we did this show with her. It was around May or June of last year. And I used her tips and they actually really worked for me. And I know that I was I was giving those same tips to, to patients. So I need to revisit it and uh, and, and talk about that in in more detail now as, as this month's coming up. So, uh, but I think the most important thing that we have to worry about is that you have to realize that the sun damages your skin and you have to, you know, we, we all believe that we're going to be healthy with a tan. And to some degree, we do get some vitamin D from, from sun. At least it gets, the sun helps us process vitamin D so that we can use it. But the truth of the matter is, is that, a tan is not necessarily healthy. It might make us look a little bit better, but with limited exposures, not with high level exposures. The problem with us is that we're cowboys here in the Midwest and we don't see sun for nine months. And then all of a sudden we want to go out there and we want to get all that sun. One, our skin isn't prepared for it. And number two, it's damaging for us. And we need to pay close attention to that. We need to pay close attention to the fact that just because the sun's out and we haven't seen it for a while doesn't mean it's good for us and we need to pay attention to using the sunscreen you know very liberal let's talk a little bit about heat protection uh, as in heat stroke and also staying hydrated well I mean I think that you know this is another common sense type of thing but we have to deal with it not only in pregnancy for any of our our, our patients that may have um, maybe themselves pregnant or, or their daughters, but, you know, we have a tendency not to, not to think about hydration during the, uh, during the summer months. And, you know, we don't have to do it here in Michigan for nine months of the year in other climates, they're constantly thinking hydration, but here we, you know, we get out, especially here in July and, you know, when the summer really begins and we start to think, you know, we can just go out there and and do what we're going to do and do all the same activities. You have to stay hydrated. That's the most important thing. You have to really, you know, keep yourself hydrated. If you're pregnant, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're, not, you know, if you're not pregnant, stay hydrated. Always have something to drink, preferably nothing alcoholic, but more for the hydration component. Okay. So if you think that, you know, you need to keep yourself drinking, you know, have a bottle of water in your hand at all times, your body will naturally tell you when you're thirsty and you'll, and you'll replenish. But if you don't have that, you'll have a tendency to go too, too long. And then people, everybody has gone to a concert or they've gone to a park or a family reunion and see somebody on the ground just passed out. You know, that's typical heat stroke type of thing. And, uh, and you just want to avoid that. And very quickly, before we close out this segment, Dr. Zayden, can you just tell us a little bit about menopause and hot flashes? It just, it couldn't come at a worse time, but hot flashes do happen in the very hot temperatures. Well, you know, the hot flashes of menopause are actually like a myriad of events that cause it. It's not just temperature, but they certainly worsen when you're in, in heat. So, the, you know, the, the biggest things that you can do, I mean, I think they're, again, a lot of this is commonsensical, but, you know, you can always cool down with an ice bath. 
you know, you can, you know, stay in the air conditioning as, as you can. You know, anything spicy is always going to increase your perception of the heat, right? And then, of course, you know, treating the menopause itself. You know, many women start menopausal therapy right around, you know, now or, you know, a month ago where they say, you know what, I just don't want to go through these hot flashes all summer long. I want to be outside. It's going to make it a lot worse. So they start treating it now. Excellent advice. As always, Dr. Zayden, when we come back here on the Healthy Woman Show, we're going to be talking about bladder control problems. They certainly don't go away in the summer. We'll have some information for you when we return here on WJR. Welcome back to the Healthy Woman Show here on WJR. Dr. Zayden, last month we talked a lot about getting care for your bladder control problems before summer starts so that you can really enjoy the time outside and away from the house without having to worry about leaking. Because let's face it, we're wearing shorts or your bathing suit, maybe white pants. This is not the time to have that kind of uh, problem. So a few of our listeners had questions regarding the process Amcella and how it works and if it's something that's good for them. So let's start there at the very beginning. Let's talk a little bit about the bladder control problems, what they are, and a little bit of how Amcella can help. Well, in summary, I mean, we've talked a lot about that in shows in the past, but in summary, there's a few types of, of bladder control problems. And, and most of them are either overactivity of the bladder or their, their leakage of the bladder secondary to the fact that the pelvic floor is not as strong as it once was. Now, in the mild cases where there's pelvic floor weakening and people have mild incontinence or even dribbling of urine, we oftentimes start with pelvic floor exercises. Amcella is a new kind of treatment over the past few years. We have this in our office. It works wonderfully. It allows you to get pelvic floor exercises without actually doing them yourself. It's an electromagnetic generator. You sit on a chair. Usually we ask you to use, uh, you just come in with loose sweatpants. And then what happens is when you sit on that uh, chair, it allows your pelvic floor to contract in a targeted fashion 11,200 times in 28 minutes. And that's pretty incredible. So, you know, overall it works very, very well probably better than you could ever do Kegels on your own. And, and, you know, I'm sure people would argue, but I, I think it would be difficult even with an experienced therapist to get that type of a, a result. And as, as far as tightening your pelvic floor, the nice thing, nice thing about it is it works really well for both bladder control. It, it can help with intercourse because it kind of tightens the vaginal vault and it also can help you with bowel habits. Does it hurt? I think that's what a lot of women want to know. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I rarely hear that in the office when I talk to people about this, but I think that when we do an initial consultation for the Emcella with one of our nurse practitioners that goes through all the potential risks and benefits of the procedure and really educates you, um, I think a lot of people ask her that question. Is this going to hurt? Is it going to be painful? I can tell you that I've sat on the chair myself. Um, I know many, many people have done that. My wife has done this therapy, and I can tell you that it's not a painful therapy. It does feel awkward the first few times that you do it because you're not used to contracting your pelvic floor, which is exactly why you need it, but it's not painful. And 
Oh, what are the long-term effects of using Amcella? So is well, it there's no short-term effect or long-term effect? What is yeah. it? There's no risks to exercising your pelvic floor. And to the best of our knowledge, there's absolutely no risk to, you know, providing you contractile activity to those muscles via electromagnetic pulse generation. But, but I would tell you that, you know, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that it will do for you is it will allow you to be able to contract your pelvic floor. So like, for example, um, people that might have to go to the bathroom and you can hold it, you know, what we always talk about holding it. Um, you'll be able to do that a lot better if you have Amcella, because once you know your pelvic floor gets used to contracting like that, you'll be able to cognitively contract your pelvic floor because it'll be much stronger. For people that have the mild stress incontinence, it works really well for that. The risk is is that you could go through Amcella and it doesn't completely improve your condition. If the condition is is moderately uh, you know severe or severe, it's probably not going to completely control the condition. I've had patients that you know probably need surgery who've chosen Amcella and, and, you know, they're, they got the ultimate risk in that it didn't completely control their incontinence. Interestingly enough, they really did not want to have any surgical intervention and they ultimately felt that their symptoms had improved somewhat and they were happy with the therapy because we told them in advance that it wasn't going to necessarily take care of all their problems. But that's the big risk is that it won't completely work. But I can tell you this in the people who have mild even even early moderate um, urinary incontinence, people that have problems with maybe having bowel movements, um, you know, it works very, very well for those people. And it's totally non-invasive and it's an easy, easy uh, treatment option. So how do you know if you're a good candidate for Amsala? I mean, we kind of just reviewed that a little bit, that there are some people who are going to need surgery, but overall, how do you identify the good candidate? I think the best candidate are, are, again, those patients that have moderate, you know, mild or moderate, um, you know, symptomatology, number one. Number two, people that are invested in that therapy, they really want to have, you know, more of a physical therapy, more of a natural approach, right? And then the third is that they don't have any risk factors. For example, they don't have any metal in in their body. They don't have a pacemaker. They don't have a neurosacral modulator or any of those types of things, because there are some things that you, you know, are contraindications to electromagnetic pulse generation. So those are the big things. I mean, you know, if not, then you're, I think almost everyone's a candidate. I think good candidates to this are people postpartum, you know, I mean, you know, we get a lot of uh, people that, you know, give this to, um, you know, maybe a a mother-in-law or or a mom that gives it to a daughter or daughter-in-law as a gift, you know, a series of these, uh, these treatments just to strengthen their pelvic floor because they know what they went through after having a baby and they want to make sure they're protecting that. So using it in a proactive way. And then also, like I said, from a sexual function, it can, you you know, can increase their satisfaction because they have more control over their vaginal muscles, much like they did before they had a baby or, or before they aged. So I think there's some really great things about the, the about it. those are the candidates. I can imagine that the patients who come to you with these kinds of problems, bladder control problems like this, this is like an issue that touches every aspect of their life. I mean, I can't, there's, it's just an all consuming or all encompassing problem. I say this to patients all the time. You know, I'm really blessed to be able to make a difference in people's lives with, you know, some of the specialty, even components of the field that I picked. And, you know, bladder control 
I mean, if you can regain somebody's bladder control, I mean, you know, people are lifelong thankful for that. And, and the same with, you know, when I do endometriosis therapy, and what's interesting is that, you know, they kind of intertwine because even with endometriosis, sometimes people have pelvic floor contractures and we use, you know, products like Mcella or pelvic physical therapy, you know, but overall, I mean, yes, it, these disease processes, especially in the summer, I mean, you know, I hear this all the time where people are like, you know, I'm afraid to wear a bathing suit, you know, because I, you know, I just don't want, you know, people will see if I, if I, you know, piddle and, and that, you know, those are things that can be treated and, you know, now's the time to do it. And certainly in the fall, it's the time to set, you know, set it up. You know, we've talked about that on a previous show where, you know, people said, you know, they asked the question about their insurance and, and we did this whole, whole segment on it. You know, this is the time, you know, you're starting to think about it now in June, by the time you do your workup throughout the summer, you have a, you know, it's minimal workup, but it takes a couple of weeks to do it. And then by the time we schedule it, you know, you could be doing it in the fall after the, you know, head part of summer is over and then still meet it within your deductible. So if these are things that you want to do, Mcella, surgical intervention, whatever, you know, we do a workup for all those things prior to you even doing them. So this is a good time to do it. Dr. Jonathan Zayden of Women's Excellence, of course, has lots of great information and more information for you at his office. If you're somebody who suffers from bladder control issues, certainly reach out to him. As we continue here on The Healthy Woman Show, when we come back, it's Ask the Doc. This is where we actually get questions from listeners and patients, and we shoot them right out to Dr. Zayden. Let's see how well he does. We'll continue right here on WJR. Stay with us. become our favorite part of the show because this is where we're asking questions from listeners and from patients of Dr. Zayden's and we talk about real issues that are facing real people, real women out there and Dr. Zayden we're always glad you could your game to play this with us. So let's go with question 1. Is there a way to reset your metabolism? Ever since I turned 30, losing weight has become a huge struggle. I'm sure you hear this often. Absolutely. Um, as far as your metabolism, I think the biggest thing that sets your metabolism is your exercise level. So, and it's not exercise just with weights, because I hear people say, well, I have, you know, five pound weights and I have 10 pound weights that I use. It's more cardiovascular exercise. That's what sets your, your metabolic tone, provided everything else is normal. So what I would tell you is you have to do that even more diligently when you, when you get older. And that's what I think we don't do, right? So when we're younger, we have a tendency to be more active, right? Our metabolism is higher just by in nature. And when we're older, two things work against us. We become less active and our metabolism slows down. So, I mean, the, the equation is pretty simple, you know, I mean, as you get older, you have to increase your metabolism by working harder, you know, at your cardiovascular and overall respiratory capacity, and that will boost up your metabolism and burn more calories. And, and I think that the people that, you know, you know, have shown that over and over again, I mean, you look at runners, marathon runners, and so on and so forth. I mean, these people, they're older, and they just don't have that same body fat that, you know, we get when we're, even if we're dieting, right? Because they're burning those metabolic equivalents all the time. So I think that's the number one way to reset your metabolism. In women, however, I do have to mention one thing. There is 
you know, some thyroid issues that, you know, plague women all the time that I think get, get under treated. And so you should always be, you know, tested, you know, if, if you think you're gaining weight a little bit more than what you should be, and you are doing activities, you should definitely pay attention to that and get your thyroid tested, you know, and even maybe potentially um, consider doing some treatment for subclinical hypothyroidism, because sometimes that can really help you. We do it at Women's Excellence from time to time for patients. And I know they ultimately feel better. And, you know, we read all the time in these magazines about thyroid and how it changes and, and is the testing accurate and all that kind of thing. And so that's one of the biggest things that you need to just pay attention to. My hair is thinning and falling out like crazy. What can I do? You know, they're, they're, you know, I send people all the time to dermatology. I'm doing it less and less now because they, they come back with the same answers, which are really, there's not much that they can do for it. Um, there are some shampoos that you can use. Most recently at Women's Excellence, we've been using uh, something called PRP or platelet-rich plasma injections. Um, definitely helps. It will restore about 25 to 30% of hair follicles with multiple injection sites. Um, oh, that's works a good, very that's well. good ratio. Yeah, yeah, it works. It works very well. I mean, it isn't an out-of-pocket expense. And I think people, you know, definitely have to commit to that. But I think it's worth it because, you know, as you, as you know, you have hair loss, you, you heard me even joke about it earlier in the show. You know, if you have hair loss, I think everybody's a little cognitive of it. And so, you know, it's something that people really, you know, want to have. And we're, we're already doing them on a regular basis now because it's something that, you know, it afflicts a lot of women and it's, it's difficult process. And there really isn't an, a, a perfect treatment for it. My husband wants to have sex all the time, but I don't. I'm never in the mood. What's wrong with me? Well, I mean, I think there's a few things that this is a, a pretty complicated topic. It's hard to answer uh, simple, but uh, over the years, I'll try, to be, I'll try to be brief. A couple of things happen. Number one, there's a big hormonal shift, you know, as you reach the menopause and perimenopause. So that's number one. Number two, you know, relationships get stagnant, right? So I hear the same thing from women too, um, who aren't menopausal or aren't close to the menopause sometimes about their husband, where they're like, you know, they're, there's other things going on and their husband, you know, isn't all that interested in sex at that time. Many times husbands are in their career and they're, that's their peak time in their career for growth and advancement. And so, you know, they're so focused on that. They're not focused on, on intercourse. So, you know, in this case, you know, our caller has a husband that's is completely interested. She's not interested. It could be a hormonal level. It could be that, you know, it's not that comfortable. So one of the things that I find is that, you know, after having babies and so on and so forth, you know, the woman doesn't get as much uh, stimulation from it. So it's not, it, it, it's not as uh, fun per se for her to do, or it could be even painful for her to do, depending on whether or not there's vaginal dryness. So what I do with these patients is simple. I evaluate them hormonally. I make sure that there's not a vaginal lubrication problem. I make sure that, you know, they have adequate um, vaginal, uh, an adequate vaginal, uh, uh, what do you want to say, um, moisture and lubrication. And then the third thing that I always do is I make sure that all the other barriers are gone. If you really want to have intercourse, you have to focus on it a bit, and then you'll get the drive. And so, you know, if it's not comfortable for you, we recommend things like Emcella, you know, to strengthen the pelvic floor. If you're not having orgasm, we recommend something called O-Shot, 
which is basically PRP, the same type of uh, product that we use for the hair loss, into the, the more sensitive parts of the vulva to help you increase your ability for orgasm. When those things are corrected, things get back, you know, start to get back to normal, especially if there's a healthy relationship. Obviously, all the intimacy starts with a healthy relationship. Do you have any information on the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine and pregnancy? You know, I've been asked this question. I think it was on the Guy Gordon show talking about this a while back, and it was before we knew even what we know now. Um, you know, right now, there's nothing that says that it's not safe. And so it is recommended across the board. I think everybody, you know, everybody has some misgivings about the vaccine. Even if they've had it, people say, well, I've had the vaccine. I'm not sure if I should have gotten it, but I got it. And I think a lot of that's been, you know, media driven. But nonetheless, you know, at this time, you know, getting a vaccine is still your choice. But the CDC recommends that you get it. And I'm not seeing any data that makes us feel that, you know, there's, it's not safe with pregnancy. I get sharp stabbing pains in my side and abdomen occasionally. Should I be concerned about that? I think you should absolutely be concerned about that. Um, I'm not sure who this, this caller is. I wish, you know, I wish I knew the caller because I'd, I'd, I'd have someone reach out to them right now and tell them to come in. And I hope, I hope whoever collected these questions did that. Um, you just absolutely don't know if you're having a problem when you get pain. Pain is oftentimes an indicator of an injury. It can be indicator of pressure. Um, it could be an indicator of a mass. There's a lot of things. So whenever you have pain, you should be evaluated. The, the big issue with pain is that, you know, people are always afraid. They get pain and they say, well, I don't want to be evaluated because I'm afraid there'll be something wrong. In many cases, um, I've seen over the years, you know, people have had previous surgery and they have scar tissue. They've ignored a pain over and over again until they've gotten a bowel obstruction, right? That's a perfect example of something that could have been prevented. By no means was it a cancer, was something that could have, you know, could have been completely prevented. Other things like ovarian cysts, uterine fibroids, there's all kinds of pelvic structures that can be enlarged that we can take care of completely um, without, you know, them experiencing any long-term side effects. But people wait and they, they can live with that pain for a long time. If you have pain, the truth of the matter is you should be evaluated. You could have a simple ultrasound, like in our office, we have an ultrasound in almost every location. Or if it's you know something that ultrasound can't pick up and we think that more evaluation is needed, we can either get a CT scan or an MRI at many centers uh, throughout the Metro Detroit area in a pretty convenient fashion. Why do I have headaches all the time? I have to take Motrin every single day. You know, we see a lot of headaches now. And I think that there's a lot of different reasons that people have headaches. And, and I'll say this up front, Marie, I'm not a neurologist. So headaches aren't only thing that I do. But, you know, over the years, I've had the benefit of seeing a lot of people with headaches. And, you know, some of them are menopausally driven. You know, the lack of estrogen causes people to have an increase in in migraines. So it decreases their migraine threshold. Some of them are stress-driven. I saw a lot of headaches during the COVID time. We saw people that were very nervous about their moms, their dads who were older, their children, maybe that went up to school. They didn't stay home. They went up to school and they were scared that they were going to get it. Especially there was a uh, an outbreak at one of the universities. I can't remember in Michigan 
And I can tell you, I saw like four or five people that were, you know, had headaches just from that because they were so worried about their kids. And so what I would tell you is that, you know, the number one thing to, to, to do when you have headaches is first to get a thorough evaluation. You always have to make sure, just like we talked about with abdominal pain, that there's not a pathologic cause for the headache. But the next thing that you have to do if you get a headache is you have to kind of think of stress reduction and hormone op optimization if you're menopausal. Make sure that you're metabolically right. Make sure that, you know, if you're out in the summer that you're getting, getting you know, well hydrated, that you get sleep. All of these things are going to decrease your headache threshold. And wrapping up, Dr. Zayden, I'm going to go off script for just a second and throw you one that actually I had a conversation with a friend of mine who said, I can't talk to my OBGYN. I have, uh, I don't have an open rapport with that doctor. How, what should I do about that? I mean, I know you're probably going to say find a new doctor, but you know, sometimes that's harder than, than you'd think to do. Well, it's funny, you might have been on script for the last 10 minutes, but I wasn't. I didn't know any of these questions, nor do I ever on this segment. So this one's no different than the rest. Um, you have to find, this is, this is a simple one. Again, I'm going to go back to somewhat commonsensical, but you have to find a doctor that you can talk to, right? So, you know, a way to find that is probably through Google, re Google reviews, you know, these, these reviews online. Um, you know, and I haven't seen mine for a while. I hope people are saying that I'm listening, but you know, you have to absolutely look, you know, at, at how does doc, how does the doctor interact with me? Are they listening to what my problem is? Is this about, is the visit about them and not about me? And I think that's the number one thing that you have to, you know, you get a sense of that when you're with someone is, is this their show or is it my show? Because when you walk into the doctor's office, you know, you're spending time filling out their forms, you know, giving them all the information that they need, and they are supposed to give you a treatment for you. It's not about what's good for their office, which is, you know, why I see a lot of, you know, doctor's offices, you know, that, you know, are really focused on like giving supplements and those types of things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But that can't be the focus. And you have to be very careful that it isn't the focus because remember, it's not about you selling a supplement or them giving you a supplement or, you know, or you prescribing a medicine that you just saw from a representative that maybe brought it to you or something that's new that you want to trial. It's about what's best for the patient. I don't know how you could figure out what the best thing for a patient is if you don't listen. So the number one thing you got to do is talk to them. If they don't listen, you know, you have to find another doctor that will. Dr. Zayden, always great advice, always excellent answers to your questions that you send us and that we certainly get from your patients. Thanks, Dr. Zayden. The Healthy Woman Show continues on WJR with Dr. Zayden. When we come back, news and updates from the practice. And welcome back to the Healthy Woman Show here on WJR with our co-host, Dr. Jonathan Zayden of Women's Excellence. Dr. Zayden, I know you always like to give us a little update uh, on the show on things that are new at the practice. And I know you've been working very hard on the endometriosis treatment centers of America. So tell us a little bit about progress there. 
I think I, I updated everyone on this uh, last show. Uh, it's, it's a very, very uh, passionate thing for me to do. Uh, you know, I mentioned it in this show, actually. You know, it's very gratifying to do what I do to treat bladder control, pelvic prolapse, you know, give people their life back and endometriosis the same. We, we, we alleviate their symptoms and we get them better and in many cases restore their fertility. So we've decided, you know, over time, um, that segment of the population that's actually seeking care has gotten larger. People are more aware that they may have this disease process. And so has our practice. You know, when, when I started years ago, we had, you know, just a few providers. And now we have close to 30 providers. Um, and, you know, when you come into Women's Excellence, you, you certainly get great care. And they ultimately, you know, funnel, you know, certain things to certain providers. And since I do a lot of endometriosis, they've oftentimes given all that, you know, that type of stuff that's complicated to me. Of patients that have those types of symptoms. Now, what we've done is we've kind of differentiated that even a little bit more to make it more specialized for patients who are very educated about their disease to make it more convenient for them and efficient. So our goal is that if you know you have the disease, you can call the center right away and we can get you in within one to two days. And then also, we've also set it up so that if you don't know that we have the disease, we have specific algorithms to, you know, get you a full workup relatively quickly. And, and that's not something that you get necessarily in every practice because many people put you, you know, keep telling you that things are normal. And so, you know, this, this question, you know, or, or this update is really full circle because you asked me earlier, are, you know, how, how do you find a doc that's listening or, or whatever? And the answer is, is that, you know, we set up Endometriosis Treatment Center of America to listen. Right. So it was all set up just for that. And uh, and we know that people have not been listened to in other practices. So very passionate about this. I think it's going to be one of the greatest things that we've done as far as for specialty care. And, and I have to tell you, we have great specialty care. We have menopausal management in our practice. We now have a radiology center for women. So people can get their mammogram, their bone density, soon their breast ultrasounds, and even breast biopsies. That that's not too far along. Um, and so there's a lot of great things that we're doing. But you know this this is a, a large segment of the population. It impacts people's sexual function. Endometriosis does. It impacts their overall work and employment. Endometriosis does. It impacts their ability to get pregnant and causes infertility. Endometriosis does. And endometriosis needs to be, quote unquote, stopped in its tracks. And I think Endometriosis Treatment Center is that place that's going to allow us to gather more information, treat patients very efficiently, and ultimately do research um, along the way by, by having a certain group of patients that we can see what trials, what treatments work the best, and which ones don't work as well. Because this, this disease is in its evolution, and I know we're at the forefront of it, and the time is now. So I'm excited about it. And as we said earlier, I think this is one of those diseases where patients, I know friends of mine who have this, who've seen one doctor after another, after another, and just aren't getting treated. And as you said, you need to be listened to. You need to actually be heard in order to take the first steps towards treatment. I tell everybody in the practice that comes in uh, into endometriosis treatment and even that comes and sees me at Women's Excellence, I tell them, listen, I know you have this problem. I understand. 
I heard you loud and clear. Now let's work together and get it treated. And you know what? It's it's very successful and that's, you know, and I and I think people are very thankful for it. And quite frankly, it's what keeps me going. And if you need help with any of the topics we talked about today, the place to go is womensexcellence.com. You will find lots of information there. And of course, you can make your appointments to see Dr. Zayden right through that website. Dr. Zayden, thanks again for all your info today. Always so helpful. No problem. And there's also a live chat section um, on our website. If you go to the right lower quadrant of our website, you can always live chat us and uh, either somebody will talk to you real time or you can even leave a message through the live chat. Excellent advice. Thanks, Dr. Zayden. See you again next month. And thank you for joining us here on WJR for The Healthy Woman Show. The Healthy Woman Show has been presented by Women's Excellence.